0: Welcome everyone, you're listening to Her Health, the show that reprioritizes your to-do list and puts your health first. I'm your host, Mary Arnoff from Providence. This season we're talking about why midlife health matters because beginning at the age of 35, women face increased risk for many conditions and it's so important to know what to watch for and to get your recommended screenings. Our goal is to help women make informed healthcare choices for themselves. Remember everyone, if you have questions for our expert, please share them on social media. You can be found on Facebook and Twitter at Providence and under Providence Health System on Instagram. Use the hashtag HerHealth, that's hashtag HerHealth, and we'll be on the lookout for your questions. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. Well, today I'm joined by Dr. Miles Hassel, an internal medicine specialist who runs the Comprehensive Risk Reduction Clinic in Portland, Oregon. He's also the author of Good Food, Great Medicine, and we are talking about aging gracefully, which has definitely on the minds of many, many, many women I know, including myself, um, and people in general. So let's get started today by welcoming our guest. Thank you for
1: joining us, Dr. Hassel. Well, thank you for having me
0: well let me give you uh, a really easy one to get started with tell us a little bit about yourself and your role here with providence
1: so i'm uh i was born in seattle and raised in western australia um, where i did all my education and uh I came back to portland um came to portland for my internal medicine training uh, at st vincent hospital and where i've been since then so my interest in medicine actually grew out of my interest in, in natural medicine um Uh, Sort of, uh, I was uh, involved in a number of different things before I went to medical school and started becoming aware of how much people could influence their health through basic old-fashioned, what we call grandmother medicine, eating right, exercising, keeping weight in control, not smoking, that kind of thing. And sort of seeing how people actually applied that independent of their physicians for their problems and being successful about it really got me more interested And that's what led me going to medical school. And that's what's um, um, uh, driven um, most of my practice philosophy is how to help patients, A, get the right diagnosis, and then employ the safest and best treatments for that. And the safest and best treatments in many cases might be lifestyle medicine.
0: Well, I mean, you just said lifestyle medicine. Let's talk a little bit deeper about that. I mean, you've, you've said kind of the age old grandmother, let's eat right, let's work out, let's, let's, let's get enough sleep. But talk to me a little bit about what that means if somebody who listening doesn't know.
1: So realizing that your body is this incredibly well-tuned machine that needs the right fuel. And that fuel comes in all kinds of forms. It comes in the form of muscle mass and fitness, it comes with an appropriate body weight because if you're inappropriate body weight, it generates all kinds of hormonal distortions uh, and and inflammatory changes that keep the body from actually being able to be well. You mentioned sleep. Uh, we would include socializing and all that. Um, and uh, and so when you put all those things together, you have a much healthier body. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have other problems, of course. There's a role for for People with my training Um, but if you start from a foundation of having a healthy body whatever else happens to you joint disease or cancer or diabetes um, you're gonna be in much better position to control it
0: well I personally couldn't agree more I people probably get sick of hearing this on the show but I lost um, 120 pounds and I know it took me almost full two years and I did it the right way no dieting it was about calories in calories out working out staying healthy and I tell people, yeah, it's great. And I look better and my clothes fit better. But the thing for me was I started sleeping better. I didn't have a cold for the first time in years. I didn't get the flu for the first time in years. My joints didn't hurt when the weather changed. It was such a lifestyle thing for me. And I don't think people really understand how much like excess weight really does damage to your body. And I think it's it's such a great topic for us. And especially when we think about the fact that we seem to be living longer as, as a, as a human kind, right? So if we're living longer, we should, we should try to live longer, healthier. So tell me a little bit about, are we living longer? And, and how does that impact kind of our overall health? Is it a quality and quantity type of a thing?
1: So, so we, we do appear to be living longer, at least in the United States, at least until about 2015, actually there's been a little deflection down since 2015. We don't know how significant that is. Um, and, uh, and I think it's fair to say that we're also living better at later years. Probably because of better food supply. There's some public health measures that are probably important, some screening things that have probably had an impact, better treatments for significant illness like heart attack, stroke, and, and cancer. Um, so, there's a number of factors that are involved, no one of which really dominates.
0: Well, you know, we are, we're seeing that we're living longer, but our bodies are changing as we're getting older. So, talk to me a little bit about what happens to our body as we hit that maybe 40, 50, 60, 70 mark.
1: So, we lose muscle mass our hormonal uh, um, balances shift, our bone mass goes down, Um, our fitness level goes down, which is sort of an independent thing. Our genetic material um, starts shrinking. Our brain gets smaller, Um, blood vessels clog up, Uh, uh, immune responses uh, can, can become more delayed. And some of these are inevitable parts of aging. However, if you look at every one of the things I mentioned, it's able to be interfered with in a good way to a substantial degree. You can start with a better muscle mass so that as your muscle mass declines, you nevertheless stay at a higher baseline. Um, Your bone strength can start at a higher baseline. Your immune system can start better. And so although no matter how well you take care of yourself, you're not going to be the same at 85 as you were at 25, nevertheless, you can be a vital, interested, interesting, healthy uh, person 85. With a good quality of life and you're much more likely to achieve that if you've taken the right steps earlier
0: it's true my uh, my mother's been visiting and um i was throwing like a 50 pound bag of dog food over my shoulder the other day and she said i remember when i could do that and she turned 70 and she's in great health no sickness no illness no underlying conditions she's like i couldn't even pick up a 50 pound bag of dog food if i had to and it did make me wonder how we do change like why does our muscle mass decrease and is there Is it just like regular strength training that we can do to kind of keep it as good as can be?
1: No, it looks like we lose the muscle mass and bone mass, no matter what we do. Okay, Uh, There doesn't appear to be any way around it. All those, all the things such as strength training uh, will slow that down, but it looks like it happens. And so the issue is, um, a slowing down the rate of decline. And for example, just having a good diet alone, um, reduces frailty there's a there's a measure that we call frailty in in the older uh, person um, for some reason if you eat a better diet with no regard to the exercise level they are less frail as they get older so there's some immune aspects some healing aspects uh, delivered by better nutrition or something that allows that to happen but it's going to happen but the higher a baseline you start the the um, higher a baseline you're going to end is that am i making sense
0: that makes perfect sense. Absolutely, yeah.
1: But we can't. Well, we can't hold back the tide, and we can't hold back everything completely. But we can modify it.
0: You know, it is what it is, right? What do they always say? Death and taxes, right? We can't control them, but <laughs> I think that quality of life piece matters, and I think it's it's really interesting that you guys you actually started the integrative medicine program for Providence uh, here in Portland, um, and that a lot of that was to make sure that people are living a high quality life. Yes
1: yes and also that they employ everything that's within our power for their health care so it was the integrated medicine program started under the uh, auspices of the providence cancer center and the initial idea was you have all these cancer patients who are getting great surgical care great radiation uh, therapy great chemotherapy well chosen thoughtful doctors working with them but who is really aggressively or vigorously might be a better word, vigorously addressing their nutritional um, optimization, not adequacy, but optimization, their fitness level, their sleep, um, alternate forms of, of, uh, of um, um, symptom control that reduce their need for medications. And whether it's pain um, uh, or whether it was things like, I mean, ginger is actually a pretty effective tool for a lot of people's nausea after chemotherapy um, acupuncture helps some people. So where can we, where, where can we find other tools that help the patients and help their outcomes? Because for cancer in particular, if you can improve fitness and improve the quality of the diet, recurrence rates, death rates go way down. And, and you can even argue that this is actually a more substantial effect than chemotherapy and radiation in many cases. It's, it's, it's a, it's a dramatic effect. And also their side effects, perceived side effects from conventional therapies are less. So there's all these different tools that we've got that don't tend to be used, especially when there's frankly no money in it.
0: It's amazing to me because you would think if I was, say, an insurance company and I had to choose between like opioids for pain medication, which are expensive and often lead to addiction, would I not want to look at something like a natural therapy? But they really aren't at this point in time, it seems, at least it seems to me.
1: Yeah. The problem from the insurance company perspective, unfortunately, is that um, they can spend a lot of money on the stuff and people actually don't do it. So um, I don't know how, if I was an insurance company exec, I don't know how I'd approach this because. I deal with people every day and I say, you know, people either want to do this or they don't. The insurance coverage is not what makes the difference Uh, for You know, you can you can point out this by looking at companies that give people free gym memberships. um, How many use it? Um,
0: Very valid point. So uh,
1: so so it's uh, um, I hate to get into that that whole side of things because I'm all about how do you motivate the individual?
0: Well, I'm not going to lie. The, the finance side of it's not the sexy part of the conversation anyway. So. <laughs>
1: you
0: Well, you've kind of mentioned these unconventional alternative therapies. And you you touched a little bit on it, but talk to me about some other examples and, and what are the kinds that maybe we should think about adding to our everyday
1: healthcare routine? So we think that there should be so much emphasis on diet, exercise, sleep, and maybe heat um, that we actually t- kind of almost ignore the others. So there is a role for massage therapy, possibly for acupuncture, um, uh, a little bit for nutritional uh, therapies, a little bit for herbal therapies, but we actually don't talk about that very much because we think that what should dominate is the fact that people need to eat well, and we can talk about what that means, be at appropriate body weight, have an appropriate level of fitness, which is completely separate from the body weight issue, get enough sleep, have a little bit of alcohol, don't smoke, have some caffeine in the form of traditional caffeine containing foods. Um, We think that those dominate the health outcome uh, um, um, perspective so much that the others are kind of fringe.
0: Do you see uh, people in your practice though, that say, I really don't want to take pain medication, or I really don't want to take this for inflammation or, and, and is that why they're seeking out kind of your assistance?
1: yeah sometimes they um like we have a lot of uh, post-surgical patients um i've had two patients recently have total hip replacements and took virtually no pain medicines afterwards and people often um need permission to say you know what i'm okay with putting up with this pain and not having my mind obscured um and uh, and so that's that's part of it is just this permission idea secondly is exactly you're right um, um when people employ other methods they sometimes simply Feel far less pain. We don't really know why. You know,
0: Mike. I'm I'm one of those people though that doesn't want to take pain medication. One because I'm a little bit of a, a control freak. I don't like to not have control of my situation. But I'm an overdoer. Like they tell you to take six weeks off, and I take like six days off. And I feel like pain at least encourages me to stay down a little bit more. So I'm always looking for alternative options to things even from like a tylenol perspective i don't really want to put anything in my body if i don't have to and so i do use things like ginger for nausea and i use things for like inflammation um do you guys do kind of naturopathic are you doing a lot with supplements and herbs as well or is it is it more focused on kind of that fitness and lifestyle piece
1: and we do, don't do very much on, on uh, supplements. For example, we might give you Boswellia, Bromelain, um, niacinamide for joints, for example. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a pretty small part of the practice. And the reason it, it is, is we don't, don't think that they work very well for most people most of the time. There is a role for them, but once again, they're easy. Uh, one of my naturopathic friends calls it green allopathy. He says, what these people are doing is they're just doing the same thing allopaths have ever done, just the names on labels on the pills bottles have changed. Uh, and mm-hmm. we see that a lot, um, that the that the benefits of nutritional supplements are way overstated, just like the benefits of drugs are way overstated. Um, and it, if we're not careful, it deflects from more important things. Now, we have reeds ginger beer and candy ginger sitting back there for our cancer patients all the time. You know, some they, they come in and they, we pour them a, a, um, a glass of reeds ginger beer and they sip away at that for their nausea. I'm, I'm all for the herbal medicines when they work, um, but we like to point out that most if you look back at the over the last thirty or forty years of nutritional supplement research and, and claims, very, very, very little has had any sustained benefit. That doesn't mean none. But it's it's grossly exaggerated. And so um so that's why we tend to limit that.
0: Well, and you're right, we all do respond to things very differently. Things that work for me don't work for my mom, and we have the same genetics, or at least yeah. half of them.
1: Right? <laughs>
0: Well, as you know, Dr. Hassel, you know, the show is called Her Health, and, and this season we're focusing on kind of that, that midlife time frame for women. So what common health conditions do you see for women entering that phase of their life?
1: So um, uh, high blood pressure, dyslipidemia, high cholesterol, um, obviously overweight, type 2 diabetes, really, really common. We have a surprising number of, of uh, women pa- patients in their 30s and 40s that have uh, unusual forms of heart attacks. Um, they're they're not a conventional atherosclerotic attack, um, joint disease, chronic pain, uh, depression, anxiety, and then the this you know the early manifestation manifestations of cancers um, are all are all kinds of things that we can see on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, are you? Um- with this kind of integrative medicine approach, and especially with women in, in this kind of time of life, are you seeing um, cases maybe where you've seen it reverse the disease that they have or be substantially beneficial to them in, in helping them even just get to a point where they can go back to a fairly normal life? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, there's a patient I saw yesterday, and, and obviously, um, um, you know, when you have short-term memory loss like I do, just kidding, um, a case <laughs> that you saw yesterday is, is a good one to work from, but um, she, we first saw her in March and, uh, she came in because she had a HbA1c of 10.9%, which is a, a very poorly controlled diabetic. And she never knew she had diabetes before, for before, before this. Oh, wow. Um, she is pretty heavy. Um, not very fit. Um, she, she ate fabulous food. Um, she's a fabulous cook. Um, and she already had what's called microalbuminuria, which means that they're already leaking enough protein from their kidneys that it shows that they're getting kidney damage from the diabetes. So mm-hmm. she had had diabetes for a while and she's um, about 40. So I bet you she'd had diabetes for at least 10 or 15 years and just for oh, whatever wow. no reason nobody had really flagged it for her. And looking back at her records, indeed that is the case. So she came to me because she said, Hey, I, um, I hear you've got this thing where you think that you can uh, treat type 2 diabetes without drugs. And I said to her, are you prepared to do the hardest thing you may have ever done in your life? And that includes your three kids. Um, And so she said, I'm game. So we started working with her, improved her diet, improved her uh, both quality and quantity, Um, started a uh, twice a day exercise program. Um, that was that was doable within she also had uh, pretty substantial fibromyalgia she's that's her dominant diagnosis uh, and depression Um, worked on her sleep and uh, and on obviously on her weight within all that so we never work with just weight we always say what we're trying to do is help you be healthier and weight is one of the metrics but we're not you know i can i can help people lose weight with any number of unhealthy approaches so working with all this. And so, um, that was in March, four months later. Um, and I saw her yesterday, but the labs were from, for the four month level, uh, four months later her HBA1C was 5.9%. So, which is normal, um, or almost normal, definitely ex-diabetic. You know, she no longer has diabetes on no medications. That's that quick. Wow. Yeah. Um, we, we used to make the joke that if they can't reverse within three to six months, they're not going to reverse at all. Um, people either do it or they don't. And it takes a lot of work. Um, and she had fibromyalgia, depression, anxiety, three children at home. Um, so there, she had a lot going on that could have deflected her if she had chosen to let it. Instead, she says, this is the right thing to do for me, for my husband, for my kids. Um, this is the right thing to do. And I don't want to be on half a dozen medicines because what would I have had to do to control her blood sugar, starting from an HbA1c of 10.9% to get it into a, 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 an appropriate range? I would have had to have three or four medications, probably including insulin. So instead, she's on no medications. Um, she it does not need um, uh, and to do blood sugar checking. She is a kind of a liberated woman, if, if I can you know use this term. She doesn't need yeah. and and it's one of those things that we really like to point out to people. Plus, what happened to her blood pressure medicines? It's they're down by eighty percent. She's almost off of them, and probably will get off them now. She still has ways to go. That was with thirty pounds of weight loss. Um, and but but it's just an example of 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 what can be done, and it's a common example. This is not this is not exceptional. And I say to my colleagues who don't really realize how common this is that out there in the real world mothers are saying to their daughter hey you can reverse that you know don't go on those medicines just lose weight and exercise and they do it yeah. um or sisters are saying to sisters or whatever but this is so much more common in the real world than physicians realize uh well, so
0: they're, they're, they're altering their their entire life really and if you're if you're helping somebody in you know a daughter say that's maybe 20 or younger that's a whole lifetime experience then for them that will be very different
1: yeah and mm-hmm. she this lady's 40. If she hadn't gotten gotten this under control now, what would her life be like in 10 and 20 years? I think she'd have a walker. Uh, Oh, I should mention her fibromyalgia is dramatically better. She takes a couple of pain pills a week now, whereas she used to take them a couple of times a day.
0: See, I I always come back to that. I don't think people necessarily understand the substantial effect that weight has, because even like, I know people with sleep apnea who lost 15 pounds and the apnea went away or diabetes, right? They lost 10% of their body weight and it went away or it was treatable. And, it is so significant that, that effect that weight has on every part of our body.
1: Yeah, especially if we lose weight doing a healthy method. method. The
0: right yeah. way, right, yeah. yeah. Which is generally, yeah. like for me at least, I've been able to maintain this now for almost what, a year and a half because it became a lifestyle change for me, right? Not yeah. just a rapid, quick quick diet or whatever, yeah.
1: Exactly, You're, this is a change of a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, um, the uh, one other factor in, involved in these kinds of cases is, I've, uh, excuse me, she has saved her insurance company probably easily ten dollars to $20,000 a year. Easy. I mean, Easy, that yeah. be that, do the low end. Just pharmaceutical costs alone would have, would be in that area, not to mention complications. Um, so for herself, she saved herself joint disease, kidney failure, blah, blah, blah. I'm always intrigued that these companies, these, these people never get a, um, um, a letter from their insurance company saying, wow, your drug costs have really gone down. You know, what have you done? Or anything like that. Or, you know, even Providence. Why doesn't Providence take cases like this and make them sort of heroes, if you don't mind me saying so? Yeah. Why don't we have a, a weekly um, Lifestyle Hero of the Week? Because we publish a newsletter um, that goes, goes out free to anybody wants it. And I can't tell you how often people say, you know what? I read about that story and I said, I can do this. And we never even see them. You know, it's not yeah. as if they come in to see us, they just write yeah. about it. And they say, you know what? If that guy did it, I can do it. And so they might send us an email at some point and say, "Hey, I, I read the story, and this is what happened." But you know, it, there's a, there's a certain amount of of uh, example that these people provide for the rest of us that I think the medical profession are really missing out, including including the healthcare systems, um, are really missing out and not and not promoting, in my opinion.
0: I think you're right. You know, I think we have a, another show on on the future of health radio that's actually called Future of Health, and we've talked with a lot of. Um, Clinicians like yourself that do things like regenerative therapy or these these things that can avoid surgeries or can avoid you know opioids like we a chiropractor who can help you you know with pain relief so that you don't have to take opioids. This future of how we treat people is is so wide open and and beautiful. And like you said, if we could just get a little bit more exposure to it,
1: um, I it's know promoted. it's promoted like drug yeah. drugs. I mean, exactly. I, mean, I have drug reps come into my office, and they want me to use stuff. Um, why don't we have, why don't we, you know, we, we can't afford to hire a fleet of, of drug, uh, lifestyle reps, I don't suppose. Okay. But we we can certainly advertise it better.
0: I want to be a lifestyle rep. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm thinking about the people who are listening to the show and this great story that you just had about this patient. And I'm thinking, they're probably wondering, you know, if, if I wanted to see somebody or if I wanted to come into your clinic, do I go through my primary care physician? Do I need to get a referral? Can I come directly to you? And then let's say I get there. What's a treatment plan look like? Do I see you once a month, once a week? Is it varied substantially?
1: It varies substantially. It really depends. So, um, so any, anybody can come to people like us, you know, just pick up the phone, call us. Um, so that, that part's pretty straightforward. We're just, we're, we're kind of like an old fashioned, you know, some people call it a country doctor model, you know, just if you walk through the door, we see you. Um, uh, so that, that part's straightforward. The, what the treatment plan plan looks like. So our big issue is accurate diagnosis, and that might involve what we do. It might involve pulling in a team of specialists um, or anything in between. Uh, So first of all, accurate diagnosis, getting a full understanding of what the patient's really got. Because it's not uncommon for a patient to come in. Recently, I saw an emergency room doctor, and he came in with a rash. Um, And I listened to his heart, and he's in atrial fibrillation. He's like 50 years old, pretty healthy guy. Um, And I said, oh. How long have you been in atrial fibrillation? He said, atrial fibrillation? I'm not in atrial fibrillation. So we did an AKG and he was in atrial fibrillation. So so the the idea that we actually take the time, I mean, and I, it's not us. Um, doctors need to take the time. You can't do this in a 10-minute visit, if you don't mind me saying so. Yeah. Um, we need to spend the time with the patient, get a full history, do a proper physical exam, um, get whatever the information we need, and really do it right. So that's the first step, get the right diagnosis. Then let's pretend it's it's um, an issue that's that's amenable to lifestyle change. Then we sit down, um, map out a plan for them, and we say, what kind of help do you think you need to achieve this? Because some patients walk out of here, I got a guy at the same time the lady started in March with us, and we saw her every week or two. At the same time, I saw a guy who walked in here with almost identical numbers as she did. He listened to us once, he said, "I can do this." I said, "What kind of follow-up you need?" he said, "See in three months, get some blood tests." Um, he reversed his diabetes in the same period of time, oh. um, and the day after he walked in here, he he broke his back. He tripped <laughs> in the yard. He tripped in the yard at night with his dogs, uh, and fractured a couple of vertebrae in his back. Um, so he had this additional challenge t- to work through. He still did it because he was so scared. He he also had never known he had diabetes. So um, different people need different levels of help. And so um so it, it involves taking a good diet history taking good exercise history taking a good physical exam getting the right diagnosis and then plotting out what they need to do and then what what resources they need to achieve that
0: well i know we're almost out of time and we have so many things that we're we're going to ask you to come back and i think you've already agreed to do that but before we round out today we, we do have a few questions that have come in um And one is is perfect with your, your most recent um, example, which is Michelle from Facebook said she has type 2 diabetes now and she is taking medication, but she really wants to be medication free. How would she know if she's a good candidate for your program?
1: So this is going to sound a trifle extreme, but we have never seen a type 2 diabetic who achieved proper body weight, a daily fitness program, and a good diet. Not even an exceptional diet, but just a good diet with, with minimal, rapidly metabolized carbohydrates, that's sweets and flour products primarily, who didn't reverse their type 2 diabetes. Wow. I've been doing this for 20 plus years. So we're pretty sure that Michelle can reverse her diabetes.
0: I think he threw uh, the gauntlet down, Michelle. Give him a call, man.
1: It's <laughs> but remember those three elements. Good diet, good fitness, good body weight.
0: Thank you to our expert for joining us today and everyone for listening and sending in your questions. We look forward to future episodes on women's health with more experts from Providence. Listen to all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to leave us a review. Follow us on social media at Providence on Facebook and Twitter and under Providence Health System on Instagram. To learn more about our programs and services and the mission, please visit providence.org. Thanks for listening.
1: He does not love to. Now all that's my living. All this, all this, all And all this.